I have a confession to make. I'm here among friends, right? I have a confession to make. This story that we're going to read is about fishing. And I have not been fishing too many times. Um, I had a, when I was about four or five years old, and that is very young, my father took me, I grew up in Oak Cliff, and took me to Lake Cliff Park, and it's a pond, I mean, it's not a lake, but, you know, and I'm sitting there with a the fishing pole, now think preschooler, okay, and he said, you know, and the, the hook is in the water, all that stuff, I don't even know the terms, and it was in the water, you know, with the little thing, what's the little red thing that, all right, see, so you can help me tell the story. So he said, I'm going to go get something to drink. I'm guessing we were there with my family. I don't think he'd leave a preschool or at the edge of the pond, you know. Um, he said, I'm going to go get something to drink, and when I come back, there better be a fish on that line. And I think he was kidding, but as a preschooler, it's when the daddy voice kicks in, you know. So I'm sitting there worrying about the stupid fish, and it's like, what am I supposed to do? You know, and it's like, I'm, am I going to be in trouble, you know, when I don't catch a fish? And so he comes back, and he pulls the line up, and there was a fish on the line. I mean, it's about this big. I personally think God sent it. Um, I was praying, even as a preschooler, I'm kidding. Anyway, then when I was about 18 years old, uh, we went to Cedar Creek Lake. My aunts had a small cabin there on the lake. And um, I was about to go to Baylor, and we were down there, and my, you know, fishing, theoretically. This was probably my second time. And so um, we're on the uh, pier thing, um, and I'm fishing, and I, I get a bite. And so I'm trying to reel it in. You know, you're 18, you're trying to be cool, you know, and I'm reeling it in. And then I get excited, and I just try to sling it out of the water to land it on the wood, you know, so that my father could take it off the hook because it was kind of nasty, sorry, but, you know, slimy, all that um, well, I didn't navigate quite right, and I hit the side of the pier, and it fell off. First, it was stunned. I mean, it just laid in the water like, really? You know, and then it swam off, and my father maintained that there was a fish swimming around Cedar Creek Lake looking for Advil or Tylenol because I'd given it a concussion. <clears throat> now, I know I'm in the presence of fishermen and women. I know that, and we're about to, you know, many of Jesus' disciples were fishermen, and so uh, I get that. Um, so I, it reminded me of a story that was on Facebook. So, of course, it was true, right? But um, some pictures that were posted. We all know that Mark White loves to fish and hunt and all of that. And he's taught his girls accordingly. And that's a good thing. And so they were at a tournament with Faith, who I think at the time was 14. And Mark caught a fish almost right away. And in the tournament, you only had a certain amount of time to do it. And there's like 15 minutes left. Faith was telling me this yesterday, 15 minutes left, and then she, she caught a fish, and it was just a wee bit larger than Mark's. Okay, y'all see it? <laughs> and what I would say to that is Mark is a good teacher, you know? So if you want to learn how to fish, talk to Mark. Um, I enjoy fish. I go to Red Lobster occasionally, but anyway, so thanks for the picture. So I would like to read to you from the Gospel of John, uh, and we're not going to stand because some of this is long, but I want us to just go through Scripture and then and kind of talk about it. This is an incredibly important passage uh, for the disciples in the life of the early church, a uh, very important chapter for Peter. So I'd like for us to kind of go through it this morning. So we're going to kind of go by verse by verse. So if you have your Scriptures, John 21. If you have your phone, please try to find the Bible app and not whatever you're playing with. Anyway, okay. John 21, 
Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Canaan of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were all together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but his disciples did not know it was him. He called out to them, friends, do you have any fish? And no, they answered. And he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and there you will find some. And when they did this, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard, it, heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped himself in his outer garment around him and jumped in the water and swam to shore. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with the fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter uh, climbed back into the boat and, that had dragged the net ashore, and it was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. And did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. We're in a series called Resurrection Joy and looking at the passages of scripture following the resurrection of Jesus and the importance that that played in the lives of the disciples and that it played in the early church. So in reading this, uh, seven disciples decided to go back to fishing. Seven disciples out of the 11. And um, they were in one boat, as best we can tell. And they were in Galilee. This Obviously, Jerusalem doesn't have you know, a lake. And Jesus had told them, go to Galilee, and I'll meet you there. That was one of the things that he told them. There were a couple of appearances immediately in Jerusalem. Then they went on to Galilee. We know later they came back to Jerusalem because it talks about how they were there when he ascended into heaven, all of that, 10 days before Pentecost. Um, Interesting to me, a couple of things, that he was known to them in the miracle of the fish. That, that when the big catch came in, that is when then, then John said to Peter, it's the Lord. They didn't really recognize him until that point. And that's, that's a duplicate scripture. I mean, it's a duplicate experience. And when you see things happening twice in scripture, it's a big deal. I'd like to um, talk or read from Luke, and I thought I marked it, but it's acting like I didn't. Uh, there are several passages in Matthew and Mark that talk about um, Jesus calling his disciples, and they were fishermen, and how they were mending their nets with their father, and they left and followed him. Luke 5, 1 through 11, let me read it to you real quickly. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake, uh, lake of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw the he saw at the water's edge two boats that were left there by fishermen who were washing their nets, mending their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. He sat down and taught the people. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out in the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered him, Master, we have worked all night and haven't caught a fish. But because you say so, we will, we will let down the nets. 
And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners on the other side of the boat um, to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Now, can you see the picture in your mind's eye? I don't think this was a calm situation. I think they were like all these fish, and the boats were about to sink, and their nets were torn, and they had tried all night and caught nothing, and then here's all this fish. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell down on his knees and said, Go away from me, Jesus, uh, because I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up on the shore and left everything and followed him. This passage is important because anytime there is a duplicate in scripture, anytime something is said twice, it's important and they're wanting us to pay attention to it. And so interesting to me, like for Mary, when Jesus called her name, Mary Magdalene, when she was at the tomb, that's when she knew it was Jesus. Uh, there are situations when, uh, other situations in the road to Emmaus, how he was known in the breaking of the bread, and that's when disciples recognized him. So important to kind of recognize all of that. A um, couple of thoughts then. There was a fire of burning coals. There are only two times in scripture that that is mentioned. And one is earlier, a couple of chapters earlier in John, where Peter, when he was denying Jesus, stood by some burning coals and said, I don't know him, and said that three times. And so when he comes on shore and it says that there is a, the fire of burning coals, the exact same word was used in this passage. I don't think that is just for us to go, oh, cool, or whatever. I think that was absolutely because Peter really needed healing. And they lived in a society where there were no stoves, right? I mean, a fire is how things were cooked. And so Peter would be around fire every day of his life, for the rest of his life. And yet it was around a fire, a charcoal fire, that Peter stood and denied Jesus three times. Sometimes when we remember things, sometimes we remember good things or something happens and you remember something and it reminds you of something good. Maybe your grandmother's cooking or maybe, you know, whatever. I mean, you, you are in a situation and it reminds you of something good. Sometimes we have memories and they're not so good. And for Peter, he needed healing in that before he could go on to the next thing. So this meeting with Jesus was not about condemnation. It was not about Peter getting a whipping but it was about restoration. And that's the heart of God. It surprises me when I meet with people sometimes and they will say, well, God is punishing me. And I just, besides I think that's really bad theology, I don't think that's how it works. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. The Holy Spirit does not bring condemnation. Conviction draws us to the Lord. Condemnation beats you down and beats you up. And so just understanding the heart of God in this, I mean, I know there are passages in the Old Testament. We're not talking about the Old Testament. I mean, we can later if y'all want to. But in the New Testament, I see the love of God and the grace of God. And yes, do we repent of our sins? Yes, we do. I mean, do, do we need to repent and forgive and all of that? Yes, that's absolutely true. But in this case, this was a restoration for Peter and many of the other disciples because they weren't there either at the cross. I mean, they had to get another man completely to carry the cross for Jesus. And usually the disciples did that. Keep in mind, they were young men. 
probably teenagers. Peter was probably the oldest, and he was maybe 21, 22. These were not old guys. Okay, so Jesus has fish and bread cooking. Now, it's my best guess. I do not know for sure, but it's my best guess that he did not buy that at Kroger. You know, I mean, yes, there were probably markets and all that kind of stuff, but he already has fish cooking and bread. And then he says, come bring some of the stuff you caught. The Bible says 153 fish. So I maintain there was an accountant among the disciples, right? (laughs) Somebody was counting, right? Okay, so then he brings them. He prays over the bread. And any, Jesus, obviously a Jewish man, and they prayed over the bread. And there's a specific prayer that they prayed over the bread, and I'm going to attempt it, and I would appreciate no laughter or anybody trying to, well, we were recording this, but I'm going to try to attempt to do it in Hebrew. Y'all pray for me. Uh, and then I will do it in English. But this is, this is prayed all the time when they break bread. On the road to Emmaus, when he broke the bread, he was praying this prayer. In the Passover meal, there is a prayer that he prays, and it's significant. It's not just... You know, thank you, Lord, for the bread. It's far more than that. So Jesus, while it does not say he prayed over the bread, it is implied. Okay? We know he prayed, right? Can we all agree to that? You know, Jesus just wasn't going, dig in, you know? So, and plus, I'm sure the disciples were a little edgy. Would you be a little bit, okay, he's here on the beach. How'd he get here? Where'd he get the fish? Where, You know, all that kind of stuff. Not at Kroger's, we can all agree. So the prayer that they pray is Baruch Atah Adonai, Eloheinu Melech Helm, Hemitzi Lechem Min Heratz. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. That is the prayer that is prayed every time. Okay, where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. And Bethlehem was house of bread. It wasn't just, oh, let's have him in Bethlehem so we can sing, oh, little town of Bethlehem, you know. But it's fulfilling scripture, and it's the house of bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And when Jesus was raised from the dead, bread came forth from the earth, right? So in every Jewish prayer, when they pray over the bread, blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And so Jewish people praying that, even this weekend as they had their, you know, their services, as they had Shabbat, they were declaring that Jesus would be, was raised from the dead. Y'all get it? I mean, it's a fairly significant thing that they're doing. Oh my goodness. I mean, oh my goodness. Okay, so... Pretty amazing. Let me read a couple of other passages. I promise this won't go on till the rapture. Although if it does, that's a good thing, right? Except Jesus is coming back anyway. Lauren's about to scream at me from the back. Okay. John 21. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. 
The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were young, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will, will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death which would Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. I'm not going to read further, but there is a little bit more talk. And then again, Jesus, I mean, Jesus, they're walking on the beach and Peter turns around and he sees John following them. And, he, and Peter says, what about this guy? And Jesus, in my paraphrase, you know, I didn't get this at Perkins, although I did attend. But, you know, my paraphrase, Jesus said, it doesn't matter about that guy. It doesn't matter if that guy lives until I return. You follow me. He was reinstating Peter. He was reestablishing him. Because Peter, because of what all had gone on, Peter, in many ways, was like a broken net. And broken nets to a fisherman don't catch many fish. And they have to fix them. They have to repair them. And in scripture, the same word, the same Greek word that is used for mending nets also is to restore. In Galatians, when it talks about it's the same word. So as mending nets is like, mending is also like restoring. So I encourage you to think about the significance of, of these passages of scripture Peter needed restoration. In, in the, the dialogue of Jesus saying, do you love me more than these? Some Bible scholars think that that is like, do you love me more than these people here? But the Amplified also says the, the word for love there is a highest love, um, committed love, devoted love. The Amplified, let me make sure so I'm not like heresy. Yes, that's close enough. Okay. Is that good? Can y'all... I thought I wrote it down. Anyway, it's committed, devoted love, the highest form of love. And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you as a friend. Jesus asks a second time, Peter, do you love me more than these? And again, committed, devoted love. And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you as a friend. The third time, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me like a friend? Jesus said, and I'm sorry, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me as a friend? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you as a friend. Even though God calls us to a higher love, and I think that's his best for us, he met Peter where he was. Again, it wasn't condemnation. It wasn't whipping. It was restoration. I believe that Peter grew into that higher love. But at that point in his life, he was saying, yes, I love you as a friend. Now, I would say to you that, that in my life, there have been times that I feel like I could say, yes, I love God completely with a higher love and a devoted love. And then there have been seasons in my life where I would answer, yes, Lord, I love you as a friend. Would I like to say that the first answer, the higher love, is what I would always agree to and do? But if I'm honest with you, it's not. And it's not because I'm trying to be a turkey. You know, but it's just life sometimes. And things happen and we question God's love for us when his love for us is unquestionable. But it's the circumstances sometimes that we go through that affect us so deeply. 
this passage of scripture is really pretty amazing. It's a huge part of the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus and what he did with Peter. Really miraculous things. I mean, the food already on the beach, the 153 uh, pieces of fish. I don't know if you've seen that much, but I would guess that's a fair amount of fish. And I'm guessing they were not all being calm and quiet. I'm guessing they were jumping everywhere. You know, and the disciples were just like, I mean, talk about a score, you know. And that's really provision, right? It's really provision. So he restores us. He provides for us. He heals us. And he wants us to love him with a deep and committed love. So my encouragement for all of us, me included, is that I would not let the things that happen or the things of the world or how things are in life cloud how God wants to love me and how I should love him back. Because I am convinced his love is the same. I think his love is the same. I think it's how we receive it. And I think sometimes our receiver is broken. I just think it is. And I think, I think that can apply to everyone at different times in our lives. And I'm not, it's not like we're going to stand up and all say, okay, well, this happened when or whatever. But sometimes life is hard. It has nothing to do maybe with what's going on with you personally or whatever. Life is just hard. There's much to pray about. So can we really receive that love? And I don't think we can without letting him heal us as well. The disciples knew that it was Jesus with a miraculous catch of fish. And they had done that before. That was a repeat. And they had done it before. Really pretty amazing. I mean, from fishermen that were experienced in fishing and they knew what to do. And Jesus says, put the nets on the right side of the boat. Can you imagine when they started to haul it in? Can you imagine when they kind of recognized it? Can you imagine how it was for them? All over again, it's like he's alive. He's alive. Death didn't hold him. This isn't some kind of magic trick. Jesus rose from the dead. And so the power for them that would be given through the Holy Spirit. Peter preached to the same crowd that yelled crucify him on Pentecost Sunday. And Peter, for Peter, it could have ended that day. But Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, preached to the same crowd in Jerusalem. And 3,000 were saved. And that's how important the Holy Spirit is for us. Not just for the huge miracles, but helping to point people to Jesus. It's, it's so that we can be useful. It's not for us to have God bumps, although God bumps are fine. You know, when we're in worship and the Lord is moving, and I don't say that lightly, but I do say the Holy Spirit is given so that people can understand what Jesus did for us, so that we can be useful and effective where we are. I had a student at CCA who is now a missionary, and I think she's a missionary in Austin, Texas, and all the Aggies will say amen. Um, Anyway, keep Austin weird, right? Um, so she writes these prayer letters, and she, her first prayer is, pray that my husband and I can be filled with the Spirit and be bold to share the gospel in Austin, Texas. Trey Ken is there as well. Trey, who was a youth pastor here years and years ago, uh, he and his wife minister in Austin, and they're praying over Austin, and I believe we will see revival break out in Austin because of the incredible amount of prayer they are doing. 
Mary knew it was Jesus when he spoke her name. Has there ever been a time when he spoke your name and you knew it was him? You recognized it? And in part, it was said to Mary because she waited. Mary was the first one to know that he had risen from the dead. She was the first one that he said, go and tell. Mary, whose seven demons had been cast out of, and her former job was not so good. Y'all with me? Mary Magdalene. And she was really one of the first apostles. She was the first one to know. Oh, when he calls your name. Think in scripture when he prayed over the little girl that had died and he said, little girl, arise. And she arose. Some Bible scholars say that when, when Lazarus rose from the dead, he said, Lazarus specifically. Lazarus, come forth. Because if he just said, come forth, maybe a lot more would have come forth. But, but it was Lazarus, come forth. Oh, my goodness. See, the deal is there's so much going on, sometimes we don't hear him call our name. But I am convinced he does. And he's saying, I love you. He is saying, I want to bring healing. I want to bring restoration. I want to bring hope and encouragement. Because that's not only for you, but it's for all the people you know. And all the people who don't. Oh my goodness, church. What an amazing, amazing God we serve. On the Emmaus Road, he was known in the breaking of the bread, praying the prayer. So I just encourage you to be very sensitive, along with me, to be very sensitive to what he's doing. I think sometimes God is moving and we don't have a clue. There's a passage of scripture in John when he had raised Lazarus from the dead in that whole passage. And there's a point where God speaks to him. And it said some people thought it were angels and some people thought it had thundered. Really? Oh my goodness, I want to hear God's voice and not think it just thundered. You know, because his voice, his word brings life and hope. So he is our provider. He is our provider. He is our healer. He is our savior. He's everything. And so today as we close this service, I would just um, encourage us all to think about how he brings restoration, not condemnation. He brings love to us wherever we are, calling us to a higher love, but he brings love. He's our provider. He's our healer. I'm not sure Peter would have been the same if there had not been that thing on the beach. I'm just not sure it would have. God brought healing. God mended his nets. He mended Peter's spirit. Because Peter was broken. And oh my goodness. The known world was changed. With the, they tarried in Jerusalem with the giving of the Holy Spirit. The known world was changed. The fir that first century, that whole area, they took it to their world. Our job is to take it to our world. So if you would like, at the close of this service, as the, the band comes and 
um, we sing the last song. If you would like to make any type of commitment to him, that would be awesome. If you'd like to come and pray, that would be awesome. If you would like to join this church, we would be happy campers to have you come join this church. Um, if you would like to make a decision for Jesus, and that's very open, you know, that's very open. So however the Lord is moving you, I pray that you would respond in Jesus' name. Amen.